0: Hello and welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. A boat crash near Point Loma on Sunday left 4 dead and 28 people injured. David Hernandez has the story. Then Jesse Agler is the lead broadcaster for the Padres and he's this week's guest on Name Drop San Diego. First the news. San Diego County leaders Tuesday will again consider a countywide temporary rent cap and limits on evictions. San Diego County Supervisor Nora Vargas introduced the ordinance last month, which narrowly passed its first reading and must be approved Tuesday to take effect. The previous reading turned out to be contentious with roughly five hours of public comments from tenants rights groups and landlords. The biggest point of contention is a provision that limits landlords ability to evict tenants for lease violations. San Diego County's ordinance says evictions can only happen if renters are imminent threats to health and safety. San Diego is launching a comprehensive analysis of its laws governing cannabis businesses to see how they could be loosened to allow more minorities and low-income residents to become part of the industry. City officials say changes may include lifting a cap on the number of dispensaries, allowing on-site consumption lounges, and softening rules that don't allow cannabis businesses near schools and churches. The city might also end a requirement that deliveries must come from dispensaries with retail locations. City officials also say they will consider lowering taxes on indoor cannabis farms and factories that make edible cannabis products. The May gray clouds that extended from the coast to the mountains on Sunday in San Diego County are mostly gone, just as another spell of unseasonably warm weather is about to begin. San Diego's high temperature was 65 on Monday, about a degree below average. It should be up to 72 on Tuesday, 74 on Wednesday, and 76 on Thursday, according to the National Weather Service. Escondido will hit 81 on Tuesday, 83 on Wednesday, and 79 on Thursday. Four people were killed and more than two dozen were injured Sunday when an overloaded boat crashed into a reef and broke apart near Point Loma. Authorities say it was a human smuggling attempt. Reporter David Hernandez covered this story with Karen Kutcher. And just a quick note, the official casualty count has changed from this morning when I talked to David. So David, this is, a, this is a big story. It has made national headlines. Um, a lot of information out there, but it seems like still some questions too. What do we know so far?
1: Right. So initially, there was a lot of confusion confusion about how many people were on the boat. Um, The latest as of this morning is that 29 people survived and three people died. And we're also told that one person remained in critical condition at a hospital. So we're kind of keeping an eye out for any updates on uh, that person's condition and anyone else who is still at a hospital. Um, and we're still trying to get a lot more clarity on, on, on many different things, um, including the nationality of the people who were on board, their, their ages, their genders, um, uh, where they may be now. Again, some of them are still in the hospital. Um, so there's still a lot of information that we're tracking down.
0: I mean, is it known where the boat came from, or where the, the destination was, and just what happened that caused it to crash?
1: Border Patrol officials do believe this was a human smuggling attempt based on the fact that there were a lot of people on this boat. And while it wasn't um, a typical fishing boat that human smugglers usually use, um, just the nature of this incident, including, again, the large amount of people on this group, on this boat, sorry, um, leads them to believe it was a human smuggling attempt. And in terms of what happened exactly, um, what we know is that uh, San Diego lifeguards and other agencies got reports of a boat. Um, at that time, they were told one person on board um, that was veering toward the coastline, toward the shoreline, rather, and that it seemed like it was in trouble, in caught in a rip current. And it turns out that the boat ended up uh, drifting and crashing into a reef. And once that happened, it just tore apart. Um, And that's when a bunch of uh, people on the boat essentially had to fend for themselves or try to fend for themselves. And some of them made it to the shoreline, others were caught in the rip current and uh, lifeguards had to rescue them.
0: What do we know about the bystanders who jumped in, um, you know, to help with rescue efforts?
1: So I'm uh, learning a lot more about kind of that side of things today and trying to track down people with stories about that. But what we do know is that this actually unfolded um, in front of many people who were at the tide poles near the Cabrillo National Monument. And, uh, you know, just a typical Sunday out there and this incident unfolded in front of their eyes, um, some of them from Uh, Both what I've been seeing online and also been told personally is that some of the bystanders jumped in the ocean and swam out to people, pulled them to the shoreline. Uh, Others were directing rescuers and trying to point into the ocean to, to, to flag people that they could see who needed help.
0: Um, Maritime smuggling is not uncommon here. Uh, You wrote in your story that just last week, Border Patrol counted it's a 157th maritime smuggling incident. Your story also said that agents detained um, more people in 2020, you know, 92% more people in 2020 compared to fiscal 2019. Why is this on the rise?
1: Right. So one thing that uh, Border Patrol officials point to is the fact that uh, smugglers look for any Uh, vulnerabilities, as they put it, in terms of ways to smuggle people across the border or drugs for that matter. And in recent years, during the Trump administration, we heard and in some cases, to some degree saw, um, you know, efforts to tighten the border on land, whether that means, you know, uh, sorry, whether that be the border wall, um, or other efforts to essentially back up what existing, sorry, I'm like really struggling with that one. (laughs) Let me back up. So in recent years during the Trump administration, we saw a lot of talk about the border wall and tightening uh, border infrastructure along the U.S.-Mexico border. So what Border Patrol officials say is that human smugglers and drug smugglers are turning to the Pacific Ocean um, as a way to kind of circumvent that.
0: Do you think that this um, crash will bring about any policy changes? for immigration or
1: otherwise? That's a great question. And um, I think it might be too early to say um, that this incident is definitely part of national conversations now. Um, and even you know, local uh, politicians have addressed kind of the need to address the underlying needs or to address policies that would um, overhaul the United States uh, immigration policies, but in terms of what actual actions may be taken, I think um, it may be a little too early to say.
0: And so what follow up stories are you um, working on now?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually um, trying to contact a few people who were there who witnessed the incident and kind of get a better sense of what that all entailed uh, because our story yesterday focused on law about uh, what we knew from authorities and it focused on law on the Uh, rescue efforts once they were on scene. But what is clear now is that before that, this thing had already unfolded before, essentially people's eyes who were there at the tide pool. So I'm trying to track down more information from witnesses. And we also have another reporter working on a story about um, just taking a better look at why drug smugglers or human smugglers may be turning to the Pacific Ocean. So some more numbers on that front as well.
0: Now let's turn to Opinion. Abby Hamblin is an Opinion editor and producer at the UT, and she co-hosts Name Drop San Diego along with me. So Abby, our guest this week is Jesse Agler. He is a Padres broadcaster. What more do we need to know about him? Right. So if you've ever tuned
2: in to listen to a Padres game on the radio in the past, um, you know, handful of years, you've probably heard Jesse Agler. Previously, he did so alongside the legendary Ted Leitner, who had done it for decades. Uh, he, uh, Jesse joined the Potter's organization in 2014. And then this last year, he became the lead broadcaster as Ted Lightner retired. And now he calls the games alongside Tony Gwynn Jr. And he's just, um, he loves baseball. He grew up loving it, grew up obsessing over it. And, uh, he has a pretty, um, he has a lot of experience coming into joining the Potter's organization, but yeah, now he, uh, you tune in any of these nights, you're going to hear him and, um, or afternoon games, I guess. And yeah, he just, uh, he knows a lot about the Padres. He's going to give you all these details that you maybe would have never even Mm -hmm. imagined. And yeah, you, uh, just, just, if you want to hear a Padres game, you need Jesse Agler in your life.
0: Um, well, you're such a big sports fan and a big Padres fan and so knowledgeable about it. So like, I was really impressed with a lot of the questions that you asked him, but you know, for our listeners, can you just give them a preview of some of the stuff we cover in the interview?
2: Yeah, so I just think we're lucky to get to talk to him this year, and he's lucky to be, you know, calling the games this year because this is one of the most exciting years in the Padres. Obviously, they just had um, a no-hitter Uh, earlier in April, Joe Musgrove threw that game. And so Jesse Agler was right there watching it to call it. And and as people sort of listened intently on the radio to find out if it would actually happen inning by inning, you know, he got to be a part of history. It was the first ever in, uh, for the Padres, the Padres also have a huge payroll this season, you know, coming off the success of the playoffs last season, we're seeing, Um, the Padres and the Dodgers really have some intense games so far. So of course we asked him about that. What does it feel like to witness those and, you know, give the context and call those moments. And then we just kind of overall asked him how he got into doing this. I, I don't think it's an easy job by any means. Like I definitely couldn't sit up there and recall all those facts and, you know, get, make the game sound fun and interesting. I would definitely run out of things to say and run out of you know, ways to describe things. So it's not an easy job and he gives some insight into how he does it. So, uh, definitely have to, if if you're a Padres fan or just curious about how this job even works, uh, you will have to tune in.
0: Yeah, he's such a professional talker. He has like one of those sort of classic radio voices. And yeah, like you said, his story, you know, how he got to be where he is is super interesting. I mean, he's been preparing for this job since he was a kid in some pretty inventive ways. And so we talked to him just a little bit about his life story and about his path uh, to where he is. Let's go ahead and end on this clip.
2: So, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. We obviously are going to go straight to the no hitter game. And for those who don't know, Joe Musgrove threw the first no hitter in Padres history earlier this month against the Texas Rangers. At what point in the game did you start to feel like, okay, this uh, could really, really happen?
3: That's, that's a really good question because, you know, you probably start thinking about it way earlier than you should. I think, you know, in the fourth inning, it was kind of like, oh, no hits. But you know, as, as Padre fans, of course, we've seen that a billion times over the years, so it doesn't necessarily get you thinking it could really happen, but I, I think once he was through six innings. It was like, all right, you know, seven, eight, nine, here we go. Um, and it started to feel real. Not that I necessarily thought it was definitely going to happen because, you know, that's not generally how baseball works. But um, there there was there was definitely a moment where, you know, you kind of sat up a little bit straighter in your seat. You started thinking a little bit more about how we're going to handle this on the air. And uh, it, it definitely started to feel like like something that was possible. He was just so incredibly locked in um it, it seemed like the rangers couldn't see anything coming out of his hand they were swinging and missing so badly at so many pitches and uh it, it definitely started to feel special i would say you know at the beginning of the seventh inning maybe
0: you can find these stories online at san diego union i'm christy totten host of the san diego news fix thanks for listening